what does it mean to be a church? So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us encourage one another. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Loving one another the way Jesus first loved us. This is what it means to be the church. Well, good morning, church. Good morning and welcome to Riverside. So glad that we're able to gather in this place today for all of you who are in the room and those of you who are watching online. So glad that you are here today. We're beginning a new series today that we're simply calling One Anothering. And yes, I did make that word up. But here's the big idea behind this series. Over and over again, all throughout Scripture, especially the New Testament, we are called to care for one another in a variety of different ways. In fact, you may not know this, but that word for one another in the New Testament, it's used over a hundred different times. And depending on how you count, there's about 37 different ways that we're called to act and be towards one another within the church. Now, this isn't going to be a 37-week series. It could be. But over the next few weeks, what I want us to do is just to, just to lean in together and think deeply about what does it mean for us to be the church? And maybe that's the question that we need to start with today. When you think about that question, what do you think about? What does it mean? What does it mean to be the church? Is the church simply a place that we come to and we gather once a week to sing and to worship together? Is church the place that we come to so that our kids can go to Bible class and learn what Scripture says and learn more about God? Is, is church the place that we come to so that we have a place where we can, we can kind of lean in together to give of our time, our talent, our resources to help our community and to help our world? What does it mean for us to be the church? Well, it means all of those things, sure. But what does it mean to be the church that Jesus had in mind for us to be? Um, before we dive in today, I do want to take a quick moment, just call a time out and push pause. And I want to say as well, happy Mother's Day to all of our moms in the room, to, to, to all of our ladies especially. We just want you to know how much we love you, how grateful we are for you, how thankful we are for, for all of our moms, for all of the ladies here at Riverside. Uh, I know that for, for so many, this is a day to celebrate. Uh, we want to celebrate our moms, our grandmothers, these important women in our lives who mean so much to us. At the same time, I know for many, as we've already acknowledged, that this, this is a bit of a, a more difficult day. And so if that's you today, and, and it could be difficult for a variety of reasons, we just want you to know we love you and we care about you and we understand. I've always thought that Mother's Day is one of those days where it's a chance to say some important things. You know, important moments call for important words. And this is one of those days where we want to take the opportunity to say some things that are really important. So I asked some of our teenagers to help me with this. If you would, let's watch, let's watch this video together. Happy Mother's Day to all our moms at Riverside. We want you to know how much we love you and how thankful we are for you. Important moments call for important words, and we don't want to miss this important moment to tell you just how grateful we are for you. You have shown us over and over again what lo love looks like. We've seen you sacrifice your time to take us to practice, to do our things with our friends, to show up at our games, concerts, recitals, and events. You stayed up late to care for us when we're sick, help us study for the tests, and stay close to us when we're sad. 
You've spent all kinds of money on us to make sure we have nice clothes, straight teeth, and all the things we need and want to do the things we love. Every birthday, every Christmas, every chance you get, you shower us with gifts, even when all you get in return is something we made in our class at school. You have constantly laid down your life so that we could have the best life possible. How can we possibly say thank you for all that you've done for us? There really are no words to tell you how we feel, but important moments call for important words. So please know from the bottom of our hearts, we love you. 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 Thank you for loving us and for showing us what the love of Jesus looks like. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I love that. Important moments call for important words. And, and this is why, right, on Mother's Day every year, literally millions of cards are bought or they're made and we write important words in them to communicate to these people that mean so much to us how we really feel. This is, this is why some of our deepest regrets revolve around those moments when we didn't say what we wished we would have said. The moment came and then the moment went and we've replayed that moment probably a million times in our minds since it happened. And if we could go back and get a redo, if we could go back and do it over again, we know what we could have said, we know what we should have said, but when we were in the moment, we missed the moment. We know that important moments call for important words. We understand that the right words at the right moment, at the right time, they have the power to change lives. And I think this is one of those things that Jesus taught us. Jesus certainly understood this. And Jesus, I think you would probably agree, he probably did this better than, well, he did. He did this better, better than anyone ever. He knew how to leverage a moment to teach his followers, his disciples, exactly what they needed to learn and what they needed to know in that moment. And he did this throughout his ministry. As he went along the way with his disciples, he, he would take different opportunities at different moments and he would teach them truths that, that they could connect with that moment. And they could understand something maybe they had never understood before, something that they would understand in a new way and that they would never forget. He was the master at teaching his disciples important truths at important moments. This is why when Jesus was in Samaria at a well in the middle of the day and he saw a woman come to that well at noon, he knew this was an important moment that called for important words. You see, most of the women, they came in the morning, but this woman, she came at noon. She wasn't welcome to come in the morning because in the community that she was a part of, she was seen as an outcast. But when Jesus saw her, he didn't see an outcast. When Jesus saw her, he saw, this, he saw someone that, that needed to experience the grace and the love and the mercy and the goodness of God. And so he spoke to her and he said, well, he asked her actually. He asked her for a drink of water, but the thing was, Jesus didn't want anything from her. He wanted something for her. He knew that important moments call for important words. So he looked at this woman and he said, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. 
This is why when Jesus was in Bethany, the hometown of three of his closest friends while he walked planet earth, Mary, Martha, and, and Lazarus, he had, he had come to Bethany to see them. Mary and Martha had, had sent for Jesus, their, their friend. They, they, had, they had called for him, but, but he, didn't, he didn't come right away. And as far as they were concerned, he had gotten there too late. They had called for Jesus because their brother Lazarus was sick and they knew that it was serious. He could literally die any moment. And in fact, he did. He died. Jesus, as far as they were concerned, didn't get there in time. Jesus comes into Bethany and he sees Mary and Martha. And Martha makes a beeline for Jesus. And Jesus knows this. This is an important moment. And this calls for important words. And so Jesus looked at Martha And he said something I'm sure she never forgot. He said, your brother will rise again. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. In fact, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. This is why when Jesus was gathered with his disciples, Hours before he would face the cross, he leaned in. And he wanted to tell tell them something that was incredibly important because this wasn't just an important moment that called for some important words. This was perhaps the most important moment that called for the most important words. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up to John chapter 13 this morning. At this point in the story, Jesus and his disciples have been together for about three years. These disciples, they've been doing life with Jesus. They've been on the Sea of Galilee during literal storms, and they've, they've walked with Jesus through the kinds of storms that happen when people disagree with you. In fact, they, they disagree with you so strongly that they want you dead. They've seen Jesus do things that nobody else can do. They've seen him feed the hungry. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him walk on water. They know things about Jesus. They have stories about Jesus that we don't even know about Jesus. If we knew everything, if we had seen everything and heard everything that they had seen, that they, that they knew, we too would be amazed. From the, the very first day, Jesus found them and called them to follow him. They've been on the journey of a lifetime with Jesus. But now there's only a few minutes remaining between Jesus and the cross. He's got an appointment with history that cannot be missed. And Jesus leans in to this incredibly important moment to communicate one more teaching to these disciples he's been with over the last three years. So what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say in perhaps maybe the most important moment? How is he going to leverage this moment for these disciples? In John 13, verse 33, Jesus says this. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come to where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment, which makes you wonder, what what is he going to say? 
What's he going to say now that he hasn't said in the previous three years of his ministry with these disciples? What's he going to give them in this moment that he hasn't given them until this moment? What's he going to say? Well, if you know the story, you know what he says. I'm going to give you a new commandment, and here it is. Love each other. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, Jesus has talked to them before about loving their neighbors. He's taught them about loving the lost. He's talked to them even about loving their enemies. But don't miss this. In this moment, Jesus isn't teaching them about loving their neighbors. He's not teaching them about loving the lost. He's not even teaching them about loving their enemies. He looks at them in this moment right before he's going to go to the cross and he leans in close and he says this, love each other. And he calls it a new command, which is a little bit strange, right? Because if you know the story at all, this, this command to love each other is not really anything new. If you go back to the Old Testament, if you go back to the law of Moses, this command for the people of God to love one another, it goes back thousands of years. But Jesus doesn't just say love one another, does he? He says, love one another just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And this is what's new about this command to love each other, right? Love each other just as I have loved you. How, 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 how does Jesus love them? We know how the story goes. In just a few hours, he's going to literally sacrifice his life for these disciples. He's going to lay down his life for them. Love each other just as I have loved you. He doesn't say love each other when it's easy to love each other. He doesn't say love each other when it's convenient. Love each other when you agree about everything. Love each other. Love each other, you know, when people love you back or love those people that treat you well. No, he says, love each other as I have loved you. And in case they're having any trouble understanding it, in this final conversation before Jesus faces the cross, he repeats this exact same thing five different times. In John 15, verse 12, he says this. He says, love, he says, this is my commandment. Love each other. In the same way I have loved you. And then he says, there is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is his instruction to his disciples about how they're to love each other as disciples. These are the ones who in just a few weeks will become the very first church planters they will be the ones who gather and start the church in Jerusalem and then in Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. So what's so important that, that before Jesus faces the cross, he wants to communicate to these soon-to-be church planters, this is the one thing that goes above every other thing that I want you to know and I want you to carry forward through this moment into the future. I want you to know this as my disciples, and I want you to teach this to everyone else who will ever become one of my disciples. This is the one thing above every other thing. What is it? What's of paramount importance to Jesus in this moment right before he goes to the cross? Love each other. Love each other just as I have loved you. And then Jesus demonstrates the gravity of that love at the cross. And watch this. He demonstrates this love at the cross. 
So that, that woman he met at the well, who, who as far as she had experienced was an outcast in her community. So she would know that there was another community where she would no longer be an outcast, where everyone is loved. He demonstrated his love at the cross so that Mary and Martha and Lazarus would understand that, that even when Jesus seems like he's a million miles away, that their job is to keep believing and keep on loving each other until he returns. He demonstrated his love at the cross so that these disciples who were about to start the church would understand that this is the one thing I want you to know, and it's going to carry you through the next few hours of your life, and it's going to carry the church for generations to come. This is the one truth that goes above every other truth. Love one another just as I have loved you. So what does it mean to be the church? Uh, this is a picture of Hava Kuhl. This is, her this is her daughter's graduation, Beirut. For four years, Hava went to law school every day to every class with her daughter, Beirut, at Sakarya University in Sertavan, Turkey. I'm sure I mispronounced all of those words and names, but forgive me. You get the idea. Uh, Hava went to law school with her daughter, Beirut, every day because her daughter is blind. And so she would go to law school every day with her and she would sit through every class and then she would have all the lecture notes and then later on she would read those lecture notes back to her daughter because her daughter couldn't see. All the assigned texts from all those legal and law school textbooks and handbooks that she had, she read, she read every assignment to her daughter. And that picture at her graduation, that was her daughter's graduation. After four years of classes, after four years of, of reading to her daughter every lecture note, after reading to her daughter every textbook assignment, her daughter had earned a degree at this law school. But what happened next was was really amazing. It was something that her mom never expected because after, after the school administrators presented uh, Beirut with her, with her diploma for graduating from this law school, the school administrators turned to the mother. They knew, they were fully aware of what she had done, the sacrifices she had made over the last four years. And they turned to her and because she had read every lecture note, every legal textbook and handbook that had been assigned, they looked at the mom, they looked at Hava, and they presented her with an honorary degree as well. I love that story. What's surprising about that story is that there's really nothing surprising about that story, right? Because this is just one example of the kinds of things that moms do. Mothers over and over and over again lay down their lives sacrificially for the sake of their kids. In fact, you might say but that's just one of the ways that mothers prove their love for their children. And I would suggest today that that's just one example among many that we could share of what it might mean for us to love one another within the church. And according to Jesus, when we love one another with that kind of love, it's how we prove to the world around us that we belong to Jesus. You see, because that's not, that's not a normal kind of love. When we love each other, 
even when we disagree, when we love each other, even when tensions arise, when we love each other, even when some of us, including myself, are hard to love. What that does is it proves to the world around us that within this church, there's something different about this church. And what's different about this church is the way that they love each other, that what holds them together is greater and stronger than anything that could come between them or separate them or divide them. When we love each other with this kind of love, it proves to the world around us that we are disciples of Jesus. We've read this verse over and over again in the last few weeks, but I want to come back to it one more time again today. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, again, talking to the church about how they should be towards one another within the church. In Ephesians 5, 2, Paul said this, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us. And then, and then he added this, and I love this. He said, it's a pleasing aroma to God. Whenever we love each other the same way Jesus loves us, it's a sweet aroma to God. And you know, like I know, there are things that smell good and there are things that don't smell so good. And you moms, you get to smell all the smells, right? (laughs) But if you want to know what smells good to God, it's the way that we love one another. And as we begin this series about one anothering, Out of all the different ways we're called to be towards one another, I don't know how we could start in any other place except this place. To say that the way we love one another should be different. We're called to love in a different kind of way. The people within the church. And we have to start here because if we're honest, it's just hard sometimes. If we we want to just admit that, confess that. It's hard for us to love each other well sometimes because disagreements do arise Sometimes we let our pride and our egos get in the way. Sometimes it's easier for us to love people outside the church than it is for us to love people inside the church. I don't know why that is. That's true probably of every family, but that's certainly true sometimes of a church family. Sometimes we we take this command of Jesus to love each other the way he's loved us and, and we make it optional or we make it conditional. But if we really want to be the church that Jesus had in mind for us to be, I think it all begins with this for us to learn to love each other the way Christ has loved us, to love one another the way Christ has loved us. And when we do, it proves to the world around us that there's something different about us. In other words, our love for one another, this is our witness. It's our witness to the world around us about what it means to be the church. So I have a challenge for us this week. And for some of you, this is easy. This is in your wheelhouse. You just do this without thinking. For others of us, maybe like myself included, we have to be prompted. So I'm going to go ahead and prompt the rest of us to do this this week. But I want to encourage everyone within our church to find a way to love someone else within our church this week. Find a way to put into practice, to demonstrate your love for somebody else in this church. Drop a text message, a note, an email, make a phone call, drop by somebody's house. Apparently somebody needs to buy Zach some food. But find a way to show your love for somebody else within this church. And let's get back to, not that we don't, but you know what I'm saying. Let's let's practice loving each other really well. Because in a very fundamental way, I think Jesus would tell us, This is what it means. This is what it means to be the church. 
Church, if you would, let's stand. Moms, we really do love you, and you are the aroma of Christ. So this morning, uh, when, you, when you are dismissed, in fact, all of our ladies, I want you to know you're welcome. There are some candles on the table in the foyer that simply have that, that phrase from Ephesians 5, 2 written on them, be the aroma of Christ. And I would invite you to take one of those just as a gift from us, from our church to you, to let you know how much we love you, how grateful we are for you, how thankful we are for all you do. And just as a reminder that you do, you do show us the love of Jesus, point us to the love of Jesus every day, every day through the way you love us. And we're so grateful for that. Uh, over the next few weeks, as we kind of lean into this series, we, we do want to lean into some of the other ways we're called to, to love one another. What was, what's really cool to me is that the rest of the New Testament, the, these New Testament writers, these disciples and other people that, that wrote the words that we read in Scripture, their minds were just spinning with all the ways we're called to love one another. Another, And I think, I think it's an incredible time for us, a season in the life of our church, for us to lean in together to think about how can we love one another well? Because when we do, when we do that, when we love each other well, we witness to the world around us what it means to be and to belong to the church of Jesus Christ. Let's sing.